The U.S. Department of Education has been a key vehicle, a key tool of the deep state for the weaponization and the centralization of what passes for education in this country, which is maybe the single most important tool in their arsenal for moving us away from the principles that our nation was founded on and toward this one world whatever order that they're working on uh last week lawmakers filed a bill to shut it down but there is a lot more to the story stay tuned and i'll tell you more welcome everybody to another episode of behind the deep state i'm your host alex and thank you for joining us today at the new american magazine so uh, just last week a coalition of republican congressmen led by the great congressman thomas massey introduced uh, a bill to shut down the u.s department of education uh, they argued that there is no constitutional authority for this bureaucracy to exist uh, and despite what the fake media would have you believe this has been a long-term staple in republican politics ronald reagan uh, the first president after jimmy carter who established this atrocity actually called for it to be abolished. So did Donald Trump, the most recent Republican president. So uh, the, the shutting down the Department of Education has been a long term but ever elusive goal of Republicans for a very long time. So this new bill, H.R. 899, it's had similar uh, numbers, in fact, the same number in previous Congresses is just one sentence long. It says the Department of Education shall terminate on December 31st, 2023. And if approved, this uh, agency would be shut down forever at least until Congress decides to revive it, and then control of education would head back to state and local authorities. Now, uh, the, the congressman who led this effort, he announced it on Twitter on Valentine's Day. That was Congressman Thomas Massey. He's been a longtime champion of ending federal involvement in education. Uh, when he announced this a couple years ago, he said unelected bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. should not be in charge of our children's intellectual and moral development. Yeah, right. You'd think that'd be pretty obvious. Uh, states and local communities, he said, are best positioned to shape curricula that meet the needs of their students. Schools should be held accountable. Parents have the right to choose the most appropriate educational opportunity for their children, including homeschool, private school, and public school. Uh, we agree 100%. Now, a few years ago, uh, we had Congressman Thomas Massey as the keynote speaker up at the John Birch Society's 60th annual anniversary dinner. And uh, I was able to interview him for the New American Magazine, and he shared some of his views on why we ought to abolish the U.S. Department of Education. Check it out. You have a bill about the Education Department that would wind down the Education Department. Why should we wind down the Education Department? Oh, wow. How much time do you have? <laughs> okay. So, first of all, the Department of Education was established by Jimmy Carter as a re-election tactic, as a ploy. And it's been part of uh, Ronald Reagan's platform and the Republican platform to eliminate the Department of Education. But I saw an opportunity to reintroduce this notion and as a bill uh, when everybody got upset about Betsy DeVos's confirmation that was the the last controversial confirmation was the Secretary of Education because the left understands this is where you win or lose is in the schools and in the teaching of the children mm -hmm. so um, I got a lot of phone calls from constituents and and frankly liberals all over the country who wanted me to vote against Betsy DeVos well, there's only one problem with that. I'm in the House, I'm not in the Senate. So uh, the Senate has the power of uh, advice and consent according to the Constitution. So my staff would tell the callers, and there were lots of callers, he doesn't get to vote on that. Well, the callers would insist that I was passing the buck, that there was something I could do, and that I must do something. So I wrote a one-page bill, and it says, the Department of Education shall terminate on December 31st, 2018. And I introduced that the day they were voting on her confirmation. That was my effort. 
um, that they asked of me. And so then when the callers ask, what are you doing to stop Betsy DeVos? We, would, we say now, well, we're trying to eliminate the department and, and thus eliminate her job. She would no longer be employed by the Department of Education. It wouldn't exist. And the, some of them get upset at that notion. And then I ask the, the liberals who want the federal government involved, I say, do you really want President Tr Trump deciding what or how your children learn? And so now you've got a situation where the left has to advocate for President Trump controlling their child's education if they want to keep the Department of Education. Yeah, so cognitive dissonance has never been a big problem for lefties, obviously, but this is a, a whole new level, right? Uh, they would have rather kept the Department of Education knowing that they could use it to brainwash kids later than allow it to be shut down. But uh, anyways, folks, uh, other lawmakers who are uh, co-sponsoring this, you've got uh, Representative Andy Biggs, who's uh, been here on The New American talking about the CONCON, uh, also Representative Russ Fulker of Idaho, uh, Representative Mike Collins from Georgia, Lauren Boebert from Colorado, Dan Bishop of North Carolina, Chip Roy of Texas, uh, a lot of the best of the best. Now, um, the Department of Education, folks, has been a key player in the dumbing down of our children, the radicalization of our public schools. Uh, and there's been a lot of whistleblowers who've exposed this. So my late friend, Charlotte Iserby, who we did a, an hour-long interview with for The New American, actually went up to her house. Uh, she was the senior advisor on education in the Ronald Reagan administration, and she got to the Department of Education and started looking at these documents. She said, oh my goodness, they're deliberately dumbing down our kids. They're actually trying to merge us with the Soviet Union, and they're using education as the key tool to make it possible. So, uh, folks, that is there. I, I highly encourage you to watch that interview with Charlotte Iserby. If you have not, you can find it in the uh, description. But, um, folks, uh, this is really critical, I, I think, to understand. The Department of Education is literally established by collectivists for collectivist purposes, all the way back to you know Robert Owen, Horace Mann, John Dewey. But as the federal government got involved, it, it went into absolute overdrive. And that was the communist plan from the beginning. Right. So, you know, we, we start with the obvious fact that the U.S. government never had any authority over education. That was by design. And because the government was not given any authority over education, that meant that those powers were reserved to the states or actually for the people. Right. Uh, but um, under the 10th Amendment, that, that was made explicit. But the federal government, little by little, whittled its way into the education system. And this was in accordance with the communist plans. Actually, in, in 1932, uh, U Communist Party USA leader William Z. Foster, basically a Soviet agent, wrote a book. It's called Toward Soviet America. And he actually explained clearly that the goal was to create a national department of education that would replace uh, Christianity, that would replace uh, patriotism and Americanism with communism and globalism. Uh, here's what he said in his book. Among the elementary measures the American Soviet government will adopt to further the cultural revolution are the following. The schools, colleges, and universities will be coordinated and grouped under the National Department of Education and its state and local branches. Okay. Uh, he went on to outline this in more depth. He said uh, that the studies will be revolutionized, being cleansed of religious, patriotic, and other features of the bourgeois ideology. He says the students will be taught on the basis of Marxian dialectical materialism, internationalism, and the general ethics of the new socialist society. Well, welcome to Foster's America, folks. That is what we're dealing with right now. Now, the federal involvement in education didn't begin with the U.S. Department of Education. Uh, it actually, uh, you know, uh, there, there basically was no federal involvement in education for centuries. Uh, yeah, Congress printed uh, some Bibles by Robert Aitken for use in the schools uh, back in the late 1700s. But other than that, there, there was almost no federal involvement in education for a few hundred years. Uh, but then in the 1960s, early 1960s, 
something dramatic happened. And it began actually in the Supreme Court, not in Congress, not with the executive branch. In 1962, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that we could not have prayer. In 1963, they ruled we couldn't have prayer. We couldn't have Bible in the school. Instead, we'd all have to believe the secular worldview. Uh, and actually, one of the uh, justices on the court recognized that they were establishing here a, uh, a secular worldview and removing the Christian foundations from the schools. And, um, you know, if we hadn't been dumbed down uh, to a, a massive extent, that never would have been possible. Uh, so by the 1960s, you know, Americans were already severely dumbed down, severely indoctrinated when it comes to our history. Right? Uh, they claimed the First Amendment required this as ludicrous. But uh, Congress started getting involved just a few years after that. They passed the Elementary and Secondary Education Act. This was signed by Lyndon Johnson under the guise of helping states. And, of course, as soon as the federal funding started flowing, the federal control followed right behind. OK, uh, as soon as the ESA came out, schools and states had to accept this huge and growing, perpetually expanding list of federal regulations. Uh, now there are uh, dozens and dozens of ways that the federal government is sending uh, money to the states for so-called education. Uh, like absolutely everything now is covered under these things. Uh, you know, textbook, what gender are the textbook writers? Uh, can men use girls' bathrooms? Uh, you know, lunch standards, data collection, all of it now. And so um, they used this camel's nose under the tent to really expand very rapidly federal control. And then in 1979, that's when Jimmy Carter, uh, under pressure from the National Education Association, the Communist Teachers Union, decided that, uh, yeah, we're going to create a Department of Education. And that's exactly what they did. Now, once the Department of Education came into place, uh, very, very rapidly, we saw uh, the expansion of federal control into education everywhere. Right. So uh, one of the early education secretaries, Education Terrell Bell, uh, was just blatant in his uh, agenda uh, to basically bring in this uh, behavioral psychology into the schools. And he worked very hard to make that possible through grants, through through uh, control, through regulations. Uh, they did a very, very good job of radically transforming our educational system, uh, and it kept getting worse and worse and worse. The Department of Education then started doing, uh, you know, accountability and and regulation and all kinds of stuff like that. And so uh, eventually, we we ended up with the situation we have now, which is basically we have. Um, a federal and really a globalized education system. And I'm going to show you some evidence that the system has been thoroughly globalized soon. But I also want to make clear that these, uh, uh, de this Department of Education is working uh, very, very rapidly to take control over the education and the, the rearing and, and even the basics of children from parents to the government. Um, they've been very, very open about this. But I want to show you uh, first a video of Arnie Duncan talking about how he thinks uh, he needs some of those kids. He was the secretary of education under Obama. He needs some of the kids 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There are certain kids we should have 24-7 to really create a safe environment and give them a chance. Um, I think all of our schools should be community centers. Our schools should be open 12, 13, 14 hours a day with a wide variety of after-school programming. Now, uh, Miguel Cardona, uh, Joe Biden's education secretary, has been even more blatant, right? Uh, he was asked during a session of Congress in a committee hearing uh, whether parents should be the primary stakeholders in the education of their children. And it turns out, you're probably not surprised, he does not believe parents should be the primary stakeholders. Listen. Fairly quick answers here because I want to get to Secretary Becerra. Do you think parents should be in charge of their child's education as the primary stakeholder? I believe... Parents are important stakeholders, but I also believe Primary. educators 
have a role in determining uh, educational programming. And I think that's going to be a little out of focus. What I think you're going to find across all elements of education, since they pay the bills, they raise the kids, they probably need to be the primary uh, spokespeople for their own kids' good education. All right. So, uh, folks, another thing to, to mention here is that the Department of Education brought Common Core into our public schools. Now, this happened during the Obama administration with help from Bill Gates and others. And uh, they used the Department of Education and a bunch of stimulus money to basically bribe state governments to foist this Common Core atrocity on Americans. Um, now, the government knows that Common Core doesn't work if, if education is actually the goal. Uh, Bill Gates actually kind of uh, spoke publicly, said the quiet part out loud that we'll know in 10 years whether uh, Common Core actually worked. It would be great if our education stuff worked, uh, but that we won't you know, know for probably a decade. But, uh, you know, the federal government did actually a study on this, and they found that uh, Common Core resulted in a significant negative impact uh, on the education of children. And uh, they, they know this. They paid a lot of money for that study. Uh, the only two subject matter experts who served on the Common Core Validation Committee, the English expert, Dr. Sanders Sotsky, and the math expert, Dr. James Milgram, both refused to sign off. But the Common Core was never about providing uh, good education for your children. In fact, the uh, the reading expert who helped develop the reading stuff said, this this stuff is not how children learn how to read, right? Uh, and I talked to her, an interesting lady, and she said, you know, this is, is not how you teach children to read. And so they know that, right? They absolutely know that. And yet now the entire educational system has been lined up behind Common Core. Even the College Board has now lined up the uh, the SAT, the ACT. All, all of these things have now been lined up with Common Core. Uh, and I think it's important to note, folks, that Common Core was not just the nationalization, the formal nationalization of education. It was also the globalization of education. Now, uh, Bill Gates actually went over to UNESCO headquarters and signed an agreement with them to create a global education system. And he came back. Uh, they, they agreed to create global teacher training standards, global curricula, global standards, global technology systems. Uh, and he came back and he started pouring millions of dollars into Common Core and the organizations that were creating Common Core. Uh, this was done pretty openly. Openly. And uh, they even funded advertisements where they kind of revealed what was going on. So they, they, they funded one ad where they actually admit that Common Core lines America up with international standards. Watch. Up until now, it's been pretty hard to tell how well kids are competing in school and how well they're going to do when they get out of school. Is a girl in your neighborhood being taught as much as her friend over in the next one? Is a graduating senior in, say, St. Louis as prepared to get a job as the graduate in Shanghai? Well, it turns out the answer to both of these questions is no. Because for years, states have been setting different standards for what students should know and be able to do at each grade level. What we really need are clear goals. That's where the Common Core state standards come in. The standards are consistent from school to school, and they match up against international standards, too. Now we know how we're doing compared to just about everyone. So even though local communities will still design their own curriculum, with the same rules, everybody can compete on the same kind of staircase. And, and now uh, Arne Duncan has been very open about how they were, uh, Arne Duncan, Obama's education secretary, how they were using the Department of Education to globalize education in the United States and around the world. Uh, I want to show you some clips of him talking. Here he is uh, talking at UNESCO, and he described UNESCO as his partner in uh, turning kids into global green citizens. But watch this. It is an absolute honor to be here today with you this morning to address UNESCO. During the last 65 years, UNESCO has done so much to advance the cause of education and gender equity, to alleviate poverty, and to promote peace.
Now, listen to Arnie Duncan talking about global education and how it should be uh, to teach kids global citizenship. Watch this. Internationally, the Department of State, USAID, and our Department of Education are working through bilateral and multilateral partnerships to focus on increasing equitable access to high-quality education. Our academic, professional, and cultural exchange programs promote global citizenship by fostering mutual understanding and building long-term relationships. Initiatives such as USAID's Room to Learn have been specifically tailored to advance the UN Global Education First initiative in some of the world's most challenging environments. We stand with other champion countries, youth advocates, and partners to help advance the UN Global Education First Initiative's priorities. And, you know, Arnie Duncan has also been very transparent about how he believes education should be used as a weapon to change the world. Right? And, and here parents think that education is like to to teach their kids how to write, read, and do math. No, according to these people, like Arnie Duncan, education is a weapon to change the world. Folks, watch this. Education, as Nelson Mandela says, is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Now, uh, even more troubling, right, that UNESCO actually it was responsible for the World Core Curriculum. This was written by uh, Robert Mueller, Assistant Secretary General of the UN, uh, New Age occultist. And uh, they, they said, actually, this should be taught in every school all over the world. Now, uh, Robert Mueller admitted in the teacher's manual, uh, the forward to the teacher's manual for this World Core Curriculum, that it was based on the teachings of Alice Bailey, the founder of the Lucifer Publishing Company, and this ascended master she claimed to be communicating with, um, uh, Javal Cool. So uh, that tells you quite a bit there about the efforts of these global education people. Uh, there have been many, many uh, people working on the nationalizing our education system here in America who are also involved with communicating with these spiritual entities. Right. I want to show you uh, Shirley McCoon. Uh, very, very strange lady. And she openly was, uh, this was during the George W. Bush administration, uh, George H. W. Bush. This was in 1989. Uh, she's telling the governors at a summit convened by George Bush that uh, education, that there's a social change function to education, that, that they are going to predict the future and then uh, basically get the kids ready for this future that they imagine. Now, uh, before we show you this clip of Shirley McCoon, recognize this lady is a, uh, she wrote a book where she openly talks about uh, her alleged communications with these spiritual entities, these ascended masters, just like Alice Bailey. Now, listen to this lady talk about the, the total transformation of our society and then the role of the schools. What it amounts to is a total transformation of our society. We have moved into a new era. So the total transformation of our society, folks, you heard her. She, here she's speaking to the nation's 50 governors and are clapping about this nonsense. Uh, and then she explains how the social change function of the schools is going to be so critical. Listen. And so we have to anticipate what the future is and then move back and figure out what it is we need to do today. That's called anticipatory socialization or the social change function of schools. So there you go, folks. They are using the Department of Education, national and even globalized education, to bring about this deep state vision of a one world order of world citizenship. Okay. Education is the critical tool. Uh, we must get rid of the Department of Education. Now, I don't, I don't want anybody to walk away from here thinking, well, oh, if we just get rid of the Department of Education, we could send our kids back to public school. No way. Uh, the, the system is so rotten. It's so corrupt that you could abolish the Department of Education 15 times over and the system would still be corrupt. It would still be weaponizing your children for the deep state against our country, against our churches, against our families. So uh, it is critical that people understand this. But getting rid of the Department of Education would be a very good first step.
Uh, and I say first step, right? There, there's the Department of Education is one of many federal agencies that are involved in education, right? The Department of Health and Human Services is now running around telling schools they have to chop off children's wieners as part of gender affirming care. They got to castrate kids part of gender affirming care. So this is a, a comprehensive problem we're dealing with, folks. Um, and, you know, don't think that abolishing the Department of Education would fix all of this, but it'd be a good step in the right direction. It'd be a clear message to the totalitarian. We're not going to put up with it anymore. It would help us save a lot of money and it would help maybe restore some sanity to education. I'm Alex Newman. This is Behind the Deep State. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, God bless you all. All right, parents, listen up. We've all seen the countless examples of how radical, radical leftists have been destroying American schools. It's no longer just about the terrible math and reading levels. Now radical left teachers birthed from liberal universities are forcing gender indoctrination in, in kindergarten. They're teaching lessons on white guilt. Freedom Project Academy has perfected live on, online learning over the course of a decade. I get a ton of great feedback about this program, a ton. They're built on Judeo-Christian values, a classical curriculum. What does that mean? It means they're taught, your children are ta taught the way that the founding generations of the country. My own son Noah did Freedom Project Academy for uh, several years uh, when he was younger. The more we tell our friends about these things, the more people will get on board. And I, and I believe that we can be the catalyst to some real change. We must save the West. Our way of life and our culture is under attack. And because of patriots like you and your project, I have optimism for the future.